I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Takshashila Institution. We're a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring a fresh perspective to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Welcome back to another episode of All Things Policy. Today, I, that is Ruturaj, and Priyal, who works with me in the health and life circle at Takshashila, are going to discuss two bills. These two bills being the surrogacy bill and the assisted reproductive technology bill. Now, these two were passed in the winter session of parliament last year, that is 2021. Earlier, according to one Quint article, these were a consolidated piece of legislation. But what has happened in 2021 is that these two things have been separated and two independent bills have been passed. Now we have two different acts. What we are going to today discuss is the process through which these things were passed. Why did it take so long from 2016 when this original thought came to legislature's mind to to separate these and rope in experts and their opinions. We'll also try to see what are the new things that have been introduced. We'll try to compare and contrast these two bills with each other. And also throughout the uh, discussion, we will talk about certain specific issues in these two bills. So let's start, April. My first question is, uh, why do we need legislation to regulate assisted reproduction and surrogacy? To begin with, what are the challenges? Because this is a very technical area. And so are the challenges related to, to just technology and the medical realm? Or is it all these challenges also, you know, um, deal with the, the judicial aspects? Because there is involvement of another parties, biological specimens and data from uh, a donor and such kind of things. So can you start with that? Right. So uh, thanks for having me, Rutaraj, first of all. So the reason when you first read the bill or when you first talk about ART or surrogacy, right, it becomes sort of like uh, you think that these two bills need to be together or they need to be one particular document. But one of the main reasons I think these two need to be separated is like you rightly said in the while you were talking about it is that uh, when you talk about like ART or surrogacy, you have like samples from different people you also have like uh, there's life involved in this right and especially with when it comes to surrogacy you have a third person in the picture you have a surrogate mother who is um, involved and the reason surrogacy bill needed to be separate was because there have been a lot of cases of human trafficking and uh, exploitation of women for the sake of surrogacy And to keep this aspect, to have this particular aspect under the legal uh, framework, that's one of the reasons why surrogacy bill had to be separate from the ART bill. Okay. Uh, So can you just tell us quickly about the broad points that these two different bills have brought in now? Yeah, so... Okay, so if I were to start with like the surrogacy bill, right? One of the key thing is to regulate surrogacy and also to appoint appropriate authorities to regulate the practice as well as the entire process of uh, surrogacy. And so if I were to get into the key aspects of the bill, first would be the, when I say regulation of surrogacy, one of the key points is that it prohibits commercial surrogacy and it talks about altruistic surrogacy. And when I mean altruistic surrogacy, meaning 
that it involves no monetary compensation to the surrogate mother apart from the medical expenses and the insurance coverage that the mother needs during the entire process of pregnancy and um, also like to access surrogacy pathway the couple need to prove that at least one of the two people are uh, medically infertile they need to prove their infertility in order to go through this route and it's a given that it's also to make sure that they are not producing the children for sale or prostitution or any other form of exploitation now in terms of like the eligibility criteria the bill says that the couple needs to intending couple and when i say intending couple it means a couple who are going through the route of surrogacy right for example now if you take like priyanka chopra's case priyanka chopra and nick jonas would be the intending couple and the surrogate mother would be the surrogate mother so for the intending couple they should have two certificates a certificate of essentiality and a certificate of eligibility and when i say certificate of essentiality it will be issued when you fulfill like three important conditions one is that they have proven infertility in either one or both of the members or um, and also which is an order of parentage and custody of the surrogate child and then also an insurance coverage for the surrogate mother and uh, when i say certificate of eligibility i'm talking about this will be issued upon the fulfillment of like the following conditions one would be the couple has to be indian citizens and they have to be married for at least 5 years and they should be the the female should be between the age of 23 to 50 years old and a male should be between 26 to 55 years old and they also have to prove that they do not have a surviving child whether it is biological or whether it is adopted or even surrogate but this does not include if they have a child who is mentally challenged or physically challenged or if that child suffers from a life threatening disorder and uh, so for like when we talk about like surrogate mother because we are talking about altruistic here right they have to have they, they need to be a close relative of an in, of the intending couple and she should be a married woman who has a child of her own and between the ages of and the woman should be between the ages of 25 to 35 years old and she has to she can only be a surrogate once in her lifetime and she also has to have like she also has to get medical and psychological clearance and also like that they have they are planning to establish appropriate authorities so that the registration of surrogacy clinics happen so that and they have the power to sort of grant as well as suspend or cancel the registration of the surrogacy clinics also to make sure that the standards of the surrogacy clinics are maintained and to investigate and take actions against like if there is any breach in the provisions of the bill um also like i said before they need to all these surrogacy clinics that are currently unregulated they will have to register under a registration uh, department that will be put up within i think uh, 90 days after this bill is passed within 90 days of the passing of the bill as well as now this also the bill talks about establishing something called as the national and state surrogacy boards and most of their functions would be sort of like advising the central government on policy matters related to surrogacy so sort of laying down the you know code of conduct for surrogacy clinics and with respect to like parentage they also have like clause and rules about what the parentage of the surrogate child is what the rules about uh, are there any conditions over abortion of the surrogate child and as well as like normal things about offenses and penalties yeah so there are eligibility criteria for the intending couple as well as the surrogate mother 
Uh, right. Now, are these new criteria or they were there previously as well? I mean, is this new bill just a separation of earlier legislation or very radical new things have been introduced? And are these things, as the, the things you mentioned, are these the new things? The entire concept of altruism is a completely new thing. Because commercial surrogacy was something that was permitted in India since 2005. And this entire act, so when, because we're talking about altruism, the whole eligibility of surrogate mother for that mother to be a close relative of the couple and that she needs to have a child of her own. All of these now end up being like the new things that have come into the bill. Okay, interesting. And what about unforeseen medical complication where other fetus needs to be aborted? Have they also dealt with that because abortion is natural or even due to medical complications is a possibility, high possibility. And an abortion in the framework of surrogacy or using right. ART can be very problematic in terms of legal as well as of yeah. course uh, psychological, exactly. uh, emotional uh, aspects of it. So does the bill also uh, deal with these aspects? Right. So actually, when it comes to abortion, right? So if in case of abortion of the surrogate child, it requires a written consent of the surrogate mother. And also it requires an authorization of the appropriate authority that will be put in place. And this authorization will also be compliant with the Medical Termination of Pregnancy Act of 1971. Also, there is a clause that the surrogate mother also has an option to withdraw from surrogacy before the embryo is implanted in her womb. So these are the things that have been, that are there in the surrogacy bill of now. Okay, very interesting. So another thing I wanted a clarification on was that once a child has been delivered and born and now he's adult, is there any legal obligation to inform the child that he had a surrogate mother? Is there any mechanism? I mean, are even the records kept? to show that uh, this particular individual was a surrogate for this particular couple and the child that was born. Uh, what does the bill uh, say about these things? So overall, there is nothing that is said in the bill that tells the parents that they have to disclose that the child was born through surrogate to the child. Even with respect to, I mean, according to the bill right now, because there is a registry registration board and then there are like specific state and central boards that are put in place. The job of these boards and registration clinics is to ensure that the surrogacy clinics come under this. But I think most of them, the records of it would be kept through the surrogacy clinics, right? But the child that is born out of the surrogacy procedure will be deemed as a biological child of the intending couple. So the surrogate mother has no authority over the child born through the surrogate procedure. Uh, there is, let's say the surrogate mother wants to contact the child, uh, that's not permitted or uh, the bill doesn't say about uh, that aspect? The bill doesn't talk about that aspect. It's not in the bill written as, as far as I know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So now that we have gone over the broad points, do you have any like analysis of this? Like, it, do, you, do you think the bill could have done certain things better or worse? Like, do you have a pro and con sort of for this? Because you have been working on these aspects, uh, these particular right. aspects and rewriting about these as well. So first things first, I think one of the main things that I found was could be problematic would be the whole aspect of altruism, right? The conditions that a surrogate mother has to be related to the intending couple and that the whole like, first of all, I think the reason people go for commercial surrogacy is because it's very difficult to find a person in your family who is going to do it for you completely for altruistic purposes. And um, 
And in the sense that, first of all, commercial surrogacy was sort of legalized back in the days, but now that it completely bans the commercial aspect of uh, things. Now, while I understand that it might have been done to sort of prevent human trafficking, female trafficking and exploitation of women for surrogacy, it sort of limits the application or sort of like people who can accessibility of surrogacy to a lot of people. Now you have to sort of find a person in your family who is ready to go through the surrogate procedure with you. And earlier, all this was done through an agency. An agency was there who had like surrogate, who had paid some money and these women would end up becoming surrogate mothers for your child. And there was like a proper route to go. Right now, because you're sort of like completely banning that aspect of things, it gives more opportunities for people to go behind the, the back of the law and sort of get it done under the table. So that was one thing that I noted. Another thing was this bill specifically talks about heterosexual couples, all right? And it also within heterosexual couples, you have to prove that you are, you, at least you and your partner or both of you are infertile. So again, it sort of like limits uh, surrogacy to very specific group of people. Also completely ignoring that single women, single men, the queer community, all of these who want to have a child are not able to access uh, this route at all. And this is despite like the Supreme Court's ruling that consensual sexual activity between adults of the same sex is no longer a crime. And the Apex Court had also reiterated for the need for inclusion of the same-sex couple in all walks of life and sort of confirmed the that the liberty to procreate is part of their right to privacy. And so you're sort of like restricting this to a very specific group of people and also the fact that the surrogate mother the condition the criteria for a surrogate mother right that she has to be a woman who is married and has to have a child of her own so what is the percentage that if you want to go through surrogacy and you are going to find a person in your family who is married and who has a child what if you you come from a family where the women in your family do not belong to that age group or do not fit into these criteria? And also another thing was also that in a lot of women also might want to go through surrogacy because that that is one of their choices, right? Maybe, for example, if you're a sportswoman where the peak of your career coincides with your with the age where you get to have a child. So now she has to make a choice whether she wants to have a child or wants to continue in her career. So in a lot of ways, this bin sort of like is limiting is what I feel. Okay, so... What this bill does is basically, I mean, it has brought this new angle that you have said altruism, but it might end up making things very difficult is because, as you said, you might not have women in your extended family of their appropriate right. age group and health and criteria like one children above five years old, yeah. five years of age or something like that. Plus, I, I think so. And the very fact that a person let's say a surrogate mother um, if she had come from a different family a, a completely different unrelated uh, you know group then yeah. the chances of the surrogate mother trying to contact the, the baby or they're trying to be some family tension would also would have reduced exactly but, yeah. also the emotional sort of connection may not be as strong as when you have it within your family right I mean, I'm assuming that could be the case. It because, might lead yeah. to complications. Also, this the the fact that the, the you got an example of a hypothetical sportswoman who would want to yeah. go for a surrogacy. That's not possible because her partner and herself might be fertile, so they cannot opt for it. According exactly. to this, okay, so yeah. there is no concept of 
And okay, I had a sort of a related question to this. Is there a concept of like prospective surrogacy? Let's say I know I might, let's say I have a disease, uh, maybe cancer and I need to undergo chemotherapy. And there is a chance that I might not be fertile after a particular medical procedure. Can I then sort of prospectively apply for this, uh, you know, certificate that I might become infertile because of some reason? Is there any provision or that I I will have to wait after the procedure and then show? As of now, nothing about that has been written in the bin. So if I were to go by what is written, it seems it points towards the direction that you'll have to wait and prove that you're infertile because of this particular procedure and then get like the certificate from the appropriate authorities and then go for a surrogacy procedure, something like that. Okay, Uh, on this, let's take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the other bill that is the Assisted Reproductive Technology Bill. Welcome back. In the first half, Priyal and I were discussing about the recently passed surrogacy bill. We talked about the broader aspects of it, that how the, the whole new concept of altruism has been brought into this and how it might lead to complications. Also, the fact that only head couples have sort of been considered for this. So uh, we have dwelt on this quite a bit. Now, in the second half, we'll go to the ART bill and again, look back and try to see how it sort of in the surrogacy framework as well. So can Priyal, can you just tell us, as you did in the first half, the broad aspects of the ART 2021 bill? Right. So the ART bill that is... um... So it was passed in 2021, like you mentioned. So it talks about like regulating the artificial reproductive technology clinics. It's mainly to regulate these clinics because over the years, because of the fact that commercial surrogacy was permitted and stuff, India saw a boom in ART clinics and just ART procedures and stuff like that. So this bill specifically talks about regulating those uh, clinics and banks and sort of like making them stick to a particular standard of things. So the bill briefly talks about how regulation of the art clinics has to take place. What are the conditions for like donation of the gametes and the supply of the gametes? And what are the conditions under which uh, ART services can be offered to the couple? And what are the rights of the child that is born through ART? As well as, you know, the specific boards like that was in place, like in Surrogacy Act. Similarly, here as well, you're going to have, they're going to set up like national and state boards to sort of like regulate these policies regarding ART, as well as offenses and all the all the stuff that are punishable under law. Okay. I have a technical sort of ignorant question. Can ART be performed in government hospital or is it only allowed in private clinics and uh, does insurance cover these procedures? So now, according to this bill, if you're, if whether you're a government clinic or a private clinic, as long as you're registered under the art registry and your clinic or your facility sort of is on par with the standards of ART and the registration has been given, you can perform ART. Okay. When it comes to surrogacy, it's a woman who is the third party involved. Now, when what might happen in ERT is that the samples might come from the intended couple or in certain cases, one or even both the uh, you know gametes could be from donors. So ERT has this another uh, completely different technical aspect of donors. So how right. does this bill deal with that? So there is like, so tech, uh, specific conditions for 
donation of gametes as well as supply of gametes and all of this so screening of the gamete donors collection of them as well as storage of the semen and also like provision for the oocyte donor can only be done by a registered art clinic and now a bank can obtain the semen from males between like 21 to 55 years of age and oocytes of females between 23 and 35 years of age as well as now like an other uh, donor who is giving their egg of the oocyte has to be a married woman again and she needs to have at least one child that is minimum 3 years of age and this woman can only donate once in her life and not more than 7 oocytes can be retrieved from her and one more thing uh, so these are like the specific conditions that the bill mentions about you know conditions and what about male donors is there any limit to their age and the number of times a sample can be no so, okay none of that so and also one so thing is that it can be an unmarried that, it can be an unmarried man right it can oh, okay. be an unmarried man donating a sperm also if you are a married woman if you are donating you need to take the consent of your husband but if you are a married man then you don't need consent of your wife if you are donating your sperm wow so, okay yeah <laughs> okay and then uh, what about the way records are kept are they randomized like does the couple intended couple know who the donor is or is it a completely like a double blind sort of way in which these things are done right so technically nothing about that is mentioned in the bill as such about like whether the intending couple will know who the donor is or what exactly that aspect of things is but what it does say is that these art clinics whenever they are they the the bill talks about establishing an art registry where all of these details will be maintained for at least i think 10 years from the time they've given their sample okay and sort of a googly question So yeah. pardon me for this, but can a uh, can the same woman who has provided oocyte can also be a surrogate for the intended couple? Is there any way that no, they no, have no, thought no, no, about no. this? So in the bill, they specifically mention that if you are going to be a surrogate mother, you cannot be the one who is also supplying the gamete. So you cannot be a supplier of a, a gamete. You cannot be the person who gives your eggs. as well as becomes a surrogate for the same couple but they have not mentioned anything about if you all have become an oocyte uh, if you've donated your oocyte at a certain given point and now for a completely different couple if you want to become a surrogate that part has not been talked about interesting i wasn't expecting that this would have been dealt with okay okay so i, I am pleasantly surprised so <laughs> uh, coming uh, to the like we'll stick to the same format like about right. pros and cons uh what do you think should have been done better in the art bill and what do you think is actually something like that pleasantly surprised you like i was pleasantly surprised with this particular aspect right so i think i will talk more about so i was quite surprised with the whole setting up of the boards and regulating the whole thing right that entire thing was kind of nice according to me so i would definitely list it in the pros of that of the bill but when it comes to cons like i mentioned before right that if you are a married woman you need to have the consent of your husband to donate your eggs whereas if you are a man married man you don't need that 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 seemed like that seemed problematic to me also one another thing was that the current art act does not uh, make any changes on the ivf cycles that take place in the patient's own eggs and sperms but 
there is so also there is no legality except for like the consent forms you just need proper consent forms of the commissioning couple as well as the donor and stuff like that and the art also addresses the donor cycle so when whether your egg donor eggs are concerned the donor sperms are concerned and also this rule that the donor can donate only once in a life once uh, once in her life and this was specifically made because uh, these donors they keep donating at least for 12 times a year so every time they get their periods then they donate they go and they donate and one of the main reason for donation is that it's income right it's easy income also because there is no harm involved in egg donation as far as i know it is not a it's a non invasive surgical procedure so there is no like harm attached to it as such but um, but isn't there some hormone regimen that one has to take before yeah uh, yeah yeah so, so wouldn't that repeated administration of these hormonal cocktails would have certain effects right uh, so actually maybe that I, was the intent uh, behind there was, the but actually the reason why they added this was not because of the whole this whole hormone thing it was because when a woman donates her eggs right and this happens like 12 times a year or multiple times in her lifetime this sort of like uh, you're borrowing a gene pool from like a specific set of people and who will tomorrow walk without knowing that they're half siblings and it wasn't because of like a health problem or anything so which is why like i personally believe that instead of completely banning a woman from uh, donating more than once in her life if you sort of like maintain a registry that sort of tracks as to who this person has donated to and make sure that there is like specific number of times she can because earlier there was a woman could donate a half six donations and that six donations throughout her life and now you are limiting it to just one donation in life and also with respect to like the egg donation right i'll tell you where the problem comes you mentioned about the hormone right the bill says that you can only take like seven eggs from the egg donor and the problem there lies because any woman between the ages of like 21 to 30 naturally has around 12 to 15 eggs in minimum so then why would a a patient go for like donor egg in the first place because and seven is considered a very less number and so the point was also that people the people hyperstimulate donors with gonadotropin so when you overstimulate them with hormones they give out somewhere around like 48 45 to 50 eggs so and it does no harm to the human body as such okay so when you retrieve only like seven eggs after that procedure then that is too less considering the fact that nearly 40 to 50 eggs are there right and when you get to the risk of it is that when you stimulate your donors right let's say you put x amount of medicine that is the hormone and you take out only seven eggs and you keep the remaining ones as it is there is a probability high probability that the donor could develop something called as ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome and it is very life threatening and it's also very quite rare in like women who do not go through this hormonal things so the chances of going getting ohs will rapidly increase if you do that like if you keep the eggs and you don't puncture them and this was completely unaccounted for in the bill and if i were to go one in the previous bill you mean Uh, yeah yeah so they have considered the medical aspect of hyperstimulation and yeah. they would have no, no. uh actually sorry to stop you there they've considered the medical they have the when it comes to like seven eggs right it's still a medical problem right now in the bill they say that only seven eggs can be retrieved 
So when you say that a woman, even at, even once, if she goes through like overstimulation with a gonadotropin and she produces like 50 eggs and then you retrieve only like five or uh, seven eggs, right? Now you're keeping nearly, uh, nearly say what, 33 eggs in the uh, body itself. Now the chances of developing OHSs in that female is significantly higher. Now whether you donate it once or whether you donate it every few months. Yeah, but wouldn't the chances of developing OHS increase if a person can donate it potentially 12 times a year? So uh, versus only one time. Yeah, so that's yeah, what yeah. I'm this saying. Is... That this bill seems to have considered the side ill effects of overstimulation. And maybe right. that was the reason they have restricted the donation to one time. And yeah. also the argument that there will be multiple children might might be born because if the same person donates more than one gametes and right. that might lead to problem in the next generation. Yeah. But, but that um, doesn't seem to be applied to males exactly, because there is no... Exactly. Uh, yeah. That was something so, I also wanted to say that, you know, everything has, seems to be very female oriented and sort of like, oh, so women can't do this and stuff. But when it comes to like donation of sperms by men, that does not seem to be like tackled. So is there a clear line mentioning this logic that it might lead to increase in gene, artificially increase in gene pool and they might not, um, the next generation might not know their half siblings? Uh, no, but actually I was in a conversation with one of my friends who is an embryologist and she seemed to bring this point into picture. And she was like, this was something that some of the embryologists seemed to point out. And that was, that, that's one of the reasons I added this as one of the cons. Okay, interesting, interesting. Now let's just slightly change gears and uh, talk about the offenses. Like why would yep. these two bills, surrogacy and ART, need entire section offenses and uh, the punishments? Like what could possibly go wrong uh, that lead to criminal you know, activities in this? With respect to surrogacy and art, I think one of the biggest thing is, um, so with surrogacy, obviously there was the exploitation of surrogate mother, right? Also abandoning the child that was born through surrogate. Here also in ARD, they specifically say that abandoning the child or exploiting children that are born through ART is also considered an offense and, and a crime. And also any, any kind of like selling or purchasing or trading of human embryos or gametes is an offense. Or um, also like, you know, exploiting the commissioning couple or the woman or a gamete donor in any sort of form. and also, another thing that they talk about in this bill is uh, transferring of the human embryo into a male or an animal. That is also considered uh, an offense here. And uh, the, uh, I think one of the reasons why, you know, trading or importing of the human embryos is considered as an offense was because uh, in this particular bill, right, embryo donation is a no-no. They say that you cannot go for embryo donation. And I'll tell you why exactly that becomes a problem. Uh, so embryo donation is basically if both you and your partner's gametes are not good. And then you go for a donor egg and a donor sperm. So which means that you basically take embryos that are already created, right? They do not come from your egg or your partner's sperm, but they're already created beforehand and you put it in the commissioning couple's woman body. So now here what happens is now if you have to access ART, only one person out of the two of out of the couple has to be infertile so either one, if both of them are infertile then sort of accessing art becomes more difficult then you have to go through the route of surrogacy even if like your uterus is functioning fine so another thing is that if you are a couple where both of you are infertile and you have if you want to access art 
Then you have to find a donor who has never donated in her life. Also, you have to find a sperm donor who hasn't donated sperm in his life and then make embryos out of them. And that entire procedure itself, finding a person like that itself is like becomes extremely mentally taxing on the couple who is already dealing with infertility based mental trauma or pain, right? That they can't have their own uh, this thing through by themselves. Another thing is one of the reasons why couples go through embryo adoption is the affordability. And that becomes one of the biggest reasons why they go for. So one cycle of conventional IVF uh, costs around like two lakh rupees. Okay. Whereas embryo adoption can be done within like 60 to 70,000 rupees. So now you can figure out, right? So affordability becomes a major factor. And a lot of couples can go for embryo adoption. Even like, even if you belong to like a lower middle class family who wants to this thing, here you're sort of like, restricting this to ultra-rich couples only, that kind of thing. Okay, so sort of a related question, then these independent one-time donors, are they uh, paid, are they compensated by the ART clinics or the sperm banks or the egg banks? Or is it again an altruistic donation? Because what is the incentive for any person then to deposit her sample or her sample? Yeah, conventionally right now, all these happens through, uh, they get paid for sperm donations or egg donations and stuff but in from if the bill comes into picture and stuff I didn't come across any particular statement or clause that says that it has to be altruistic but going with the way the bill itself like surrogacy and art bill are sort of like structured I'm assuming that it's going to be altruistic I don't see any incentive for like that again becomes a problem right what is the incentive for the donor cup uh, donor people to sort of go for donations Again, now you have to go find the donor by yourself. Now, there's no agency or anyone in between sort of like doing that. So, yeah, that becomes a problem. Yes. And then this will be my last question. Let's like we give a hypothetical example of a sports person uh, who wants to, you know, prospectively uh, undergo surrogacy or a person who might under be undergoing a medical procedure and knows high chances of his or her losing their fertility. Can and can we use the ART framework for such a person to deposit her own sample or his own sample, and then in the near future use the same samples and use ART yeah. or surrogacy? Yeah, yeah. So that is allowed in the sense that you can store your samples and then in the future go for ART or this thing. Also, like I think even if like your partner is no more and you want to access ART, if you have to have their samples stored in some clinic or something, you can access ART through that. So but that then again, the person would have to be married, right? Yeah, this is all limited to uh, married couples. Again, the whole point, like I mentioned about surrogacy, right? Again, it sort of completely uh, does not include LGBTQ couples, single women, single men, all of these. You have to be a married couple. And that too, you need to prove that you're of Indian origin. Whether you're accessing surrogacy or ART, you have to be of Indian origin. So another problem comes, right? Now, if you're somebody who is of a different nationality, but who has lived in India for since your birth, or for example, like a person who is born to French parents, but who has lived in India, somewhere in India all her life, and she wants to access ART or surrogacy, she won't be able to do that because she has to prove that she is of Indian origin. And there is no way to prove it because her parents are not Indian. So all of that becomes a problem. 
it's sort of all both of these bills are very limiting when you sort of break them down and sort of see them okay uh thanks feel for the very informative discussion about these two bills so with this uh, let's end this podcast thank you yeah sure thank you so much if you liked our show don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can tune into them on the ivm podcast app ivmpodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts you can also follow ivm on social media the handle is at @ivmpodcasts on twitter facebook and instagram and hey if you'd like to dive into takshashila's research on technology strategy and economic affairs check us out at our twitter handle at @takshashila_inst or our website takshashila.org.in